0: morning, church. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I am a believer. I am a believer of God and I believe his word. Amen. I believe God and his word above everything else and above all. I believe God and his word and his promises for his faithful. I believe what he says in his word above every situation. Amen. So um, I just like to share a bit. Uh, not a bit, but this word from, I want to read it in um, Passion Translation, Second Corinthians chapter 4, before I give you the message. We are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within, so that this immeasurable will be seen as God's, not ours. Amen. So we're talking about situations, storms, what we're going through, what we're all going through. So, your situation is not unique, yeah, everyone is being you know every everyone of us goes through some something else, maybe it 's not the same problem, same issue, but we all go through uh, tough times, we all go through storms, but the Bible says we are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within holy spirit is within us, so that this immeasurable power will be seen as God's, not not ours. Though we experience every kind of pressure. Remember, this is written by the Apostle Paul. And if there's any man that went through tough times, and toughest, the toughest of all tough times, it's the Apostle Paul. But here he's speaking to us, and he said, though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. Amen. At times we don't know what to do. At times we don't know what to do. But quitting is not an option. Amen? We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. Quitting is not an option. For a child of God, for a believer of God, if you say you are a child of God, baptized with the Holy Spirit, bought with the blood of the Lamb, then quitting is not your option. Amen? Get rid of that word in your vocabulary. yeah. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but not out. Okay, we continue. We don't deny the fact that we go through storms. We don't deny the the fact that sometimes we we stumble, we fall, we make mistakes. But here it says we may be knocked down, but not out. Why? Because our God loves us. God doesn't. Doesn't, you know he, he doesn't throw us out because we made a mistake. He's waiting for us to always come back. He's always waiting for us to repent, confess our sins. And the Bible says, 1 John 1, 9, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. So we continually share in the death of Jesus in our own bodies so that the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. We consider living to mean that we are constantly being handed over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. So that means, you know, like uh, we go through these tough times. Sometimes you feel like you're pressed down, you're crushed. Um, Yeah, this is for the, you know how James says that consider it joy when you go through various trials. Consider it joy. Praise God. Like what Jameson said, when he, was, he went through that storm, what he desi- he made a decision. Right? You, have a cho- you, you, you make your decision. Right, God will not make that decision for you. You choose whether to stop where you are, what you're going through, and be burdened by it, um, be depressed about it. Or you choose to go the other way, which is God's way, which is the best way. And that is to worship the Lord, save God, exalt Him. Yep, yeah, exalt him, lift him up, thanks, thank him, and God will bring you through your storm. Amen. And and it's it's, it's for the glory of Jesus. God did, does God did not send the storm. God did not um, send the trial, or He didn't make you sick so that He can, you know, he he, he he can humble you. No, it's not from God. We are very clear from the Bible says that God come to give life, but those storms come so. Uh, to to test us, but at the same time, when our attitude and our heart is fully focused on Jesus and his word, then people will see God and Jesus Christ in us, and they will glorify Jesus because of us. Amen. So they'll see the power of God working in us. So this is the word of God, and he says also in uh, verse 15, I think I lost it, verse 15, All things work for your enrichment, so that more of God's marvelous grace will spread to more and more people, resulting in an even greater increase of praise to God bringing him even more glory. So no wonder we don't give up. No wonder we don't give up. Amen. No wonder we don't give up. This is is, never give up. We don't give up. For even though our outer person gradually wears out, our inner being is renewed every single day. Amen. Like we cannot, you we every day uh, a day is added into our lives. Every year we grow one year older, right? But the Bible says, Paul says that even we are physically, we we we, we, we can see changes in our physical. Our body we are renewed in our inner man every day through the Holy Spirit remember Holy Spirit is eternal Holy Spirit is supernatural so when you are moving and empowered by the Holy Spirit right even if your body your physical body your earthly suit you see it as like decaying or or uh, being old or you get your gray hair or your your skin right it's changing. Doesn't matter. Your strength is renewed every day. When you understand who you are, when you understand that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. It says here with you are slight short lived troubles. How's that? Slight short lived troubles. Just remember all troubles are not permanent. Nothing is permanent here on earth. Your problem today will change and can change. It can change overnight. Okay? So we see our difficulties as the substance that produces for us an eternal, weighty glory far beyond all comparison because, because, this is the key, we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but what is unseen. We don't focus on our attention, we don't focus on the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen, eternal, because what is unseen is eternal, what is seen is temporary. Praise the Lord. We have the word of God that keeps on strengthening us and, and empowering us, the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's why our theme for today is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I want like to I'd like to start with uh, the verse that where we see this word, Sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. It's Ephesians chapter six. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your anointing in Jesus' name that breaks the yoke, destroy every burden in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that your word is powerful and it's active. It's sharper than two double-edged swords. And today, Father, I speak your word. As I speak your word, let your people be able to hear and understand what your spirit wants them to understand. Let them receive it, O oh Lord God, in Jesus' name. Lord, the seed we're going to be sown in, a, in, a, in the good ground of their heart in Jesus' name. And we give you praise and we give you all the glory in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people say amen and amen. So the Bible says, Philippians chapter 6, verses 10 to 17. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So we want to be strong in our walk with God, in our spiritual walk with God. It's not denying the fact that we will go through some storms, but the Bible says be strong. Be strong in whom? In the Lord. This is the problem. I find that we struggle too much because we're relying too much on our flesh. When we start recognizing that we cannot do it alone, we cannot do it aside, aside from God, then that's when the strength of God, you know, we can experience the strength of God anytime. Any trouble that you go through, when you, un- when you recognize that, Lord, I cannot do this alone, but I know the Holy Spirit empowers me. Right? No, there's no trouble, there's no circumstances, there's no situation that God will never allow to come to you that you are not equipped to overcome. Remember that you are, o- you are equipped to overcome everything and anything that the devil throws against you. And this is here in, in Ephesians chapter 6. So the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Do not be strong in your own wisdom. Stop relying on your own strength. Stop relying on people. Rely on God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Amen. The Bible says that. And in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Okay, so this is the this is what the uh, Apostle Paul says. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So that means that it is our responsibility to put on the whole armor of God, which lists down the following verses after that, lists down the whole armor of God. And I would be speaking about just one armor or one weapon that God has given us to fight against this uh, this enemy, the enemy of our soul, which is Satan. Amen? There is an enemy of our soul, which is Satan. So God says here, once God says, I want you to stand firm. I want you to be strong. Stand against the wiles of the enemy. Why? That, it means we have an enemy. Our enemy is not in the human flesh. Our enemy is not human people. Our enemy is a spirit. An, uh, our enemy is the devil okay, so we are, as a child of God, we are in constant spiritual warfare, okay, you are in a spiritual warfare, whether you believe it, whether you don't believe it, whether you uh, want to involve in it or not, you are in a spiritual warfare, and praise God, again, the Bible is here for us as a guideline, as a, as a, as uh, an instruction for us on what to do, and it's equip us to how are we going to prepare ourselves for this battle. Right now, we see a lot of uh, different uh, battles going on. It's not just a physical battle. Everything that we see in the physical starts in the spiritual. Just remember that. So the Bible says God wants us to be s- strong and to stand firm. God wants you to stand firm and hold the ground that Jesus has already won. You know that Jesus has won legally. And Jesus wants us to experience victory literally. Okay? So he's won it. Okay? It's not, it's not something that we need to do. He's done it for us. But he wants us to experience it literally and manifest it in our lives. In verse 10 to 13, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of your ma- his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against a spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor. Again, this is the second time. He said, put on the whole armor. And then verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Who's going to take it up? Us. This is our responsibility. God will not put the armor to you. He has provided to us that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Are we not on in the evil day now? What do you think? We are in the evil day. Wickedness increasing, right? Wickedness increasing. Sickness. People are dying of sickness. These are evil days. And I'm not prophesying, I'm not a, prof, a prophet of doom and gloom. But I'm just saying what we are seeing now, there's wickedness, there's lawlessness, rebellion, is at highest, right? Children not listening to their parents anymore. No more respect in authority, no more respect with people, of, 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 you know, older people. The society has lost it. There's lawlessness everywhere. So these are evil days. And there will be more increasing of wickedness, as the Bible says and, 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 and uh, told us from the Bible. that there, The, the lawlessness, people loving themselves rather than loving God. And this is what's happening. And the, and, the, and, the, and, and the scary thing is it also happens in the church. It also happens in the church. Yes, we say grace, but grace is not a license to sin. Grace is not your license to sin. Don't do something and then in your in the back of your mind, I oh, will I can repent later. You don't do that. That's, you don't play with with fire and expect that you will not burn one day. All right? So we don't play with sin, because sin, once it, it cuts you, then you know the consequences will. God is a loving God, God is a forgiving God, we don't, pl- but we don't play with sin. Okay, so when you repent, repentance is turning back totally from what you used to do. I don't know why I keep coming about repentance and sinning, and I'm not judging or condemning anyone, but I'm just saying that this is the time, this is really the time that we really need to focus on God, uh, give yourself, your heart wholeheartedly with God in Jesus' name, and, and, and Holy Spirit has been, has been uh, promised to us that he is with us, in, inside of us, to help us. Whatever you're struggling with, if you're struggling with sin, you need so, if you need someone to pray with you and, and, and walk with you, along, along with you, as you, as you overcome a temp- this temp- type of temptation, whatever it is, the Holy Spirit is there, and we are more than willing to pray for you. So anyway, so the Bible says it's time for him. You are not fighting for victory because you are fighting from victory. Okay, so you're not fighting for victory. You are fighting from victory. But make sure that you have the right wardrobe. Make sure that you have the right armor. So in his wisdom and mercy, God has provided us with all the weapons that we need to achieve victory. Because our warfare, as the Bible says there, we do not wrestle against flesh or blood. Our warfare is in the spiritual realm. Our weapons are also spiritual. You cannot fight a spiritual enemy with a carnal weapon. We have to fight a spiritual enemy with a spiritual weapon. In 2 Corinthians 10.4, 10 10 four, Paul says that our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty in God In God, for pulling down strongholds, strongholds. Amen. You know, what, a lot of people are captives. You, you may see them walking without chains in the physical realm, but they are captives in their mind. Because the, the first thing that the devil wants us to take captive is our thoughts. The battle is in your mind. These are the strongholds. This is where the strongholds are held. Okay? Strongholds that we attack are spiritual. Over the centuries, Satan has built them up in the hearts and minds of humanity. They are strongholds of fear. They are strongholds of covetousness. They are strongholds of hatred. They are strongholds of idolatry. They are strongholds of racial prejudice. They are strongholds of religious superstition and many others. And remember when I shared about the kingdom of God, True peace will only come to earth when the kingdom of Christ is established here. That's why as a Christian, as a believer of God, we are not just blood-washed, born-again believers. We are army of God. We are soldiers of Christ. We are kingdom people. We are called to establish the kingdom of God here on earth. We are called to establish and influence the world that God has placed us in. We are to influence the community, the government, wherever God assigns you, you are to influence it. Influence it with God's um, morals and values. Influence it with God's ways of doing things. So this is the objective of our warfare as Christians and the purpose for which we use our spiritual weapons. It is to break down the spiritual strongholds in the hearts of men and women and to prepare the way for Christ, to set up his kingdom, first in their hearts and finally in the whole earth. Amen? That's why the battle is in the mind. Bible says that we are to renew our mind according to the word of God. Renewing of mind does not happen when you got saved. Renewing of mind happens every day. You need to take hold of your thoughts. You need to break down every stronghold. Otherwise, you will keep going back to the same way you were until you break that stronghold, the way that you used to think. If any thoughts or thinking or principle that you have is not in line with the Bible, then pull it down. Break it. Be set free from it. It doesn't matter if your family has been believing it for a thousand years. It doesn't matter if your parents uh, raised you up with the same principle and belief. If it doesn't agree with the word of God, break it down. It's a stronghold. Amen. You will not be free until those strongholds are broken down. So in Ephesians chapter 6, we saw Paul's list seven spiritual weapons or items for spiritual equipment that we need. I'll read it from verse 14. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Girdle of truth. Verse 14. That's the first um, weapon or armor that you need to wear. Okay? The breastplate of righteousness. Same verse. Verse 14. Then, verse 15. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Verse 16. Take the shield of faith. Verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation. And on the same verse, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So I want to concentrate with, with the uh, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, This sword can be used for both attack and defense. But it is primarily a weapon of attack. Okay, This, in fact, is the only offensive weapon at the arsenal. Everything else is designed to hold you to be steady. But the only weapon, defensive weapon, that God has listed or Paul listed here in Ephesians chapter 6 is the sword of the spirit. And I want to read a portion of um, Rick Renner's book about spiritual warfare, the swords of the Roman soldier, to give us a clear idea of what type of swords uh, Roman soldiers use, okay? So I, I will read it. Of the different kinds of swords that Roman soldiers used in their confrontations with enemy forces, the Holy Spirit carefully selected one of them to illustrate our sword of the Spirit. The first sword of the Roman soldier was called the gladius sword. It was an extremely heavy, broad-shouldered sword with a very long blade. Of all the swords used by the Romans, the gladius was the most aesthetically beautiful. However, because of its weight, it was also the most cumbersome and awkward to use. This massive sword was referred to as two-handed sword. In other words, it was so heavy that the soldier had to use both hands and swing it with all his might in order to wield it against the enemy. Furthermore, this first sword was sharpened only on one side; the other side of the sword was blunt and dull. So that's the first sword. The second sword was shorter and narrower. It was approximately 17 inches long and about two and one-half inches in width. Hence, it was lighter than the swords Roman soldiers had previously used. The third sword used by the Roman army was even shorter than the second sword. In fact, it was so short that it looked more like a dagger than a sword. This dagger-like sword was carried in a small, yeah. hidden scabbard beneath the soldier's outer court and was used to inflict a mortal wound into the heart of an enemy or an aggressor, you need to listen, it's very important. The fourth sword Roman soldiers used was a long and very slender sword. This sword was primarily used by the cavalry, as opposed to the more durable swords carried by the infantry. In addition, this long, slender sword was used in a sport that was similar to modern-day fencing. No soldier would have wanted to enter into combat with this sword for it wasn't an as effective sword to use in battle. So the first one is heavy. Only one side is sharpened. It's You have to use two hands, so no one really wants to use that, right? By the time you carry and lift that sword, you've probably been killed by your enemy. So anyway, the fifth sword, this is the type of sword that Paul had in mind when he wrote about this piece of spiritual armor in Ephesians. The word... For sword that Paul used, he, the sword of the spirit, the word sword is the Greek word makaira. This brutal weapon of murder was approximately 19 inches long. And both sides of this sword, its blade, were razor sharp. So it's just a small sword. It's not a long sword, it's just a small 19 inches and its, its blade were razor sharp, making this sword much more dangerous than the other four. In addition, the tip of this sword is different from all the other four. Why? Because the tip of this sword turned upward, causing the point of the blade to be extremely sharp and deadly. So it's not just the sides of this sword that is sharp and deadly, but also the tip. This two-edged blade inflicted a wound far worse than the other swords. Before a Roman soldier withdrew this particular sword from the gut of his enemy, he would hold his sword very tightly with both hands and give it a wrenching twist inside his enemy's stomach. Imagine. (laughs) Probably like watching uh, gladiators, right? This would cause the opponent's entrails to spill out as the soldier pulled the sword from his enemy's body, that's the, re- that's the reason that the end of the, the tip of that sword has something on it, because they would you know, turn it around on the person's stomach, and by the time they pull it, everything goes out, everything. So it really assure them that this enemy is dead. And this is the type of sword that Paul referred to or was referring to when he said the sword of the spirit because we are on a face-to-face battle with the enemy have you ever experienced where you feel that the enemy is just right in front of your face that's combat battle and you don't need a long sword for that type of battle you need a short sword like that right that you can just plunge in to the enemy and twist it and then pull it back. And then when you pull it back, all his entrails pour out and he's totally dead. Dead meat, right? And that's what we want for the enemy, that he has nothing, nothing left. Nothing left from him, okay? So the sword referred here is used for close fighting, hand-to-hand combat. And notice that this is the only tool that the Holy Spirit uses in the spiritual realm because it is the spirit, spiritual weapon. That's why it says it is the sword of the spirit. It doesn't say the sword of Paul or the sword of the soldier. It doesn't say the sword of the flesh. It says the sword of the spirit. It is what the spirit uses to deal what is causing you distress and anxiety in this world. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You know, God didn't say fight the battle and just left us with nothing. He has given us instruction. He has given us armory. He has given us tools and weapons to fight this devil. And again, we are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory. We need to experience this victory every day of our lives. Every day, not just one moment, not just when someone else lay their hands on you and cast out the devils off from you, that you don't experience liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty every day. If you say you are filled with the Holy Spirit, if you say the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, then live with liberty and freedom in your life. Because God's Spirit is the Spirit of freedom. Free of anxiety, free of fear. Free of this and free of that. In Jesus' name. We don't belong to the world. We are in this world, but we are not part of this world. So the world suffers because they are in disobedience with God. And God does not want us to suffer. That's why he sent us his son. God wants us to live in total liberty and freedom. The question is, who is controlling your life? Who did you give authority over your life? Jesus or the devil? So why are you living in despair? Why are you living in distress? Why are you living in continuous depression? If you say that Jesus is your Lord, I have yet to see a a person that is totally filled with the Holy Spirit and say, I'm still depressed. Because that's wrong. That is a contradiction to what God says. If you say the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, then Holy Spirit that is inside of you is a spirit of freedom. And spirit of life and spirit of joy. there is no heaviness, there is no place for spirit of heaviness. It may teach you once but it does not need to stay. amen So one of the reasons we lose this battle is because we use human method. Remember when Peter when Jesus was arrested Peter took it in his own hand. he took the he took the sword and cut the, the servant's ear. Right, that is his method, but God's method is different from our method. So stop fighting the devil with your own method. Look at the Bible. The Bible is here. You need to open your Bible and know what the Word of God says in every situation that you are going through. And don't think that because Pastor Chris can preach this way, it's not. Go, I'm not going through some stuff. I do, right? But I don't. Dis, I don't announce it. I don't declare it. When I declare it, it's already victory. But there's no one person that didn't go through situation and crisis and storms. Every one of us will go through that. But one thing I learned, it's a season. And season changes. Season changes. Now we are in spring. Before it's cold and, 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 you know, you don't want to go out. But now it's very good to go out, though there's still some restriction. Right? But we're not restricted in the spirit. We can praise the Lord anytime. It's just that type of attitude. And uh, do you really believe God? Do you really believe the word of God? Do you really believe what God says? That's the thing, right? So anyway, I want to move on. So in the spiritual realm, the only tool that God uses is the spiritual sword. And maybe it's the only one we have because it's the only one we need. Okay, so there are three words for the word of God so that you can understand how this works. The first word is graphe, which means, in Greek, it means writing. Scripture is called in the Bible graphe. I'm holding this Bible. I'm holding graphe. It's the book written, right? The word of God in written form. When he talks about the spirit use, he is not talking about graphe. This is not what the Spirit is using. Though it is the Bible, this is not what the Spirit is using. The second word is logos. We see that in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was logos. The logos goes farther than graphe. Okay, graphe is the book written, and the logos is the message of the book. The logos is the message given. When you read a portion of the Bible, a message of the Bible, we receive a a, a message, right? You understood what it says. Let's say John 3.16, you understood what it says. Then you now graduated from graphe to logos. But logos is not the word used in verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 6. It doesn't say the sword of the Spirit is the graphe of God. It doesn't say that the sword of the Spirit is the logos of God. It does say that the sword of the Spirit is the rhema of God. So the word used there, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word, is the rhema of God. The word rhema means spoken and declared. It also means a specific, quickened word. It is the declaration of the logos that you got. Remember, logos is the message received. Right now, you you heard Ephesians chapter 6. You received, you heard the message. Oh, Ephesians chapter 6 is about spiritual warfare. I understand that. But until it becomes rhema, it cannot be the sword. Okay? So it is the declaration of the logos that you got. The graphe is the book. The graphe is the book. The logos is the message. And the rhema is the utterance. It's not the Bible on your shelf or on your drawer's um Bedside table, that is effective. You know, some people, they keep their Bible in the lounge and thought that yeah makes them holy. Right? The lounge is sanctified. Right? Or they use cross, they hang crosses on the car and they say the cross will keep us safe. That's magic. That's not biblical. Right? Right? You keep your Bible in your car in the next uh, passenger seat and you drive and you said. The Bible will protect me. That is not the sword of the Spirit. Right? Okay, so you can be the owner of a Bible factory and still not have a sword. Yeah? So the graphe, the book, give you the logos, which is the message, but it is the rhema, the spoken and declared word that plunges in and draws blood. Amen. I love, oh. Hallelujah. I remember Larry, when he got saved, he said, the devil has tricked me for many years. It's payback time. Payback time. Payback time. Said, devil, it's payback time. Anything and everything that you have stolen from me and my family, from my loved ones, it's time for, for it to be restored. Amen. Hallelujah. We are called to destroy the works of the devil. We are called to destroy the kingdom of darkness. Amen. It could mean that when we take scripture in our mouth, what does it mean, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God? It could mean that when we take the scripture in our mouth and proclaim it boldly through our lips, then it becomes a sharp two-edged sword. I know you have experienced it, especially when we are praying. Right? When we are praying, suddenly a word of God will be quickened by the Holy Spirit. It's not in your plan. You didn't even, th- you were not even thinking about that particular verse. It uh, it also happens here, like Jello would be singing, and then a word will come, raise, rise up in his spirit, and then he declare it, right? Power of God is released through his mouth. That's the sword of the spirit. It becomes from from to logos. It becomes rhema, right? The power of God, and you know, and you know, the devil is silenced. You know, and you know the devil is dead, <laughs> hallelujah. Okay, so note too that the sword of the it is the sword of the Holy Spirit. We can take God's word in our mouth, but it only achieves its full effect when it is the Holy Spirit within us who actually wields it. That's why you need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to to uh, bring it up in your spirit, right? Some people they confess, right? Okay, confess this with me. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my Lord. They say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my Lord. No power. Why? Because first, they don't believe it in their heart. Right? They say, I co- the Bible says, confess it with your mouth. Believe it in your heart. If you don't believe it, don't confess it. Right? But when you confess it with your heart, you, you release it with your mouth, the Holy Spirit's power rises up within you. Jesus is my Lord, not not the tone of voice, not the because I'm screaming. No, but you know that there is power released on it because your heart is with it, right? Okay, so this is the that is what the sword of the spirit about. The best example of this powerful sword of the spirit is found in Luke chapter four, verse three to thirteen. Okay, I'm not gonna read it for the sake of time. Um, in this passage. Satan is repeatedly and aggressively attacking Jesus. We all know that story after he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit uh, sent um, brought him into the um, desert desert to be tempted by Satan. Okay, Jesus answered Satan repeatedly with a specific quickened Rhema from the Holy Spirit. That's where we're gonna see the example how Jesus used the word of God. As the sword of the spirit. Because everything that he said is rhema. It's not just logos. It's rhema. Because it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. For example, after the devil tempted Jesus with food, Jesus drew the sword of the spirit and rebuked Satan by saying, It is written, Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. It is written. Men, so when the enemy comes to you and says, Look at you. Look at you. You keep on praying, you keep on fasting, you keep on believing on that. How can you believe that? You stand up and say, "In the name of Jesus." Satan, the Word of God says, Philippians four nineteen, that my God shall supply all my needs, and according to His riches in his, in glory. That is the Word of God. You are speaking the Word of God with confidence, with faith. That becomes a sword in your mouth. Okay. So the any remember Jesus said that the holy spirit will remind you of things that you need when it's time to for you to use it. And it does happen when you are in spiritual warfare especially when you're praying when you have you felt sometimes like you feel this pressure coming against you. Sometimes you don't even know why but it's just a, this like cloud of heaviness, cloud of heaviness coming against you. You don't know that's when you speak in tongues, pray in tongues. Know what it is through the Holy Spirit, not the, oh, maybe someone, no, don't. Don't entertain any other thought. Get into the Spirit. Find out what the Spirit is saying. Find out what the Spirit is showing you, and the Holy Spirit will reveal. And then when you start praying like that, Holy Spirit will bring up a verse and say, No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Satan, I take authority over every darkness. I take authority. that's it. That is when the Word of God becomes a sword of the Spirit in your mouth. Just remember, the enemy could not respond to this sword of the Spirit. Satan has no defense against the Word of God that's quoted directly at him. Okay, so when you're fighting with your husband, you don't rebuke your husband. Rebuke the enemy that is with your husband. Right? Yeah? Okay, because Satan has no defense against the Word of God that's quoted directly at him. He has no choice but to withdraw in defeat. So, Jesus used no other weapon but the rhema, the spoken word of the Lord. God has made the same weapon available to each Christian. So, it is important, however, to bear two things in mind. First, we remember Jesus, before he was taken to the desert, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit. In Jesus, that directed him to use the sword, which is rhema, the word of God. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Very important, filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Can you be filled with the Holy Spirit? Is it possible to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes. Amen? Every day. Every day you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How do you do it? Very simple. Just start thanking God. Praise Him. Jesus name like Jello said wherever you are in your own room you can pray in the bathroom in the toilet wherever you're gardening cooking whatever you're doing praise the lord and you will see god will pour out his, his spirit upon you he will fill you and to the overflowing and then you 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 were so heavy you were so burdened by by problems once you start praising the lord once you start lord i need you fill me with your holy spirit i need take this weariness take this uh, 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 tiredness, whatever it is, Lord, that's causing me to, to stop from being productive or happy or joyful. Take this off, Holy Spirit. And He's more than willing to do that for you. And then start singing. Start singing or singing tongues. So if the Holy Spirit leads you and directs you, start dancing. Amen? Hallelujah. You should see people dancing, even if they, they don't know how to dance before. But they start dancing. Praise God. So, Number two, Jesus, like every Jewish boy of his day, had memorized long passages of his scripture. So you need to know verses, right? You're going to say to Satan, "Uh, Satan, um, I know, I know, I know. What Pastor, Pastor Paul said, what Pastor Chris said. No, you need to know it yourself, right? So when Satan confronted Jesus, he did not need, Jesus did not need to consult a concordance or go to a library, right? He had already stored up scripture in his memory. That's why we did. Like, even if you are not in the battle right now, you're in in like in um a, a break, <laughs> and you know like soldiers have break for from battles. They will be sent home to take a break. Another another company will be sent to the to the war. They have to take some break. Even if your everything is going easy with you, that doesn't mean you need to be relaxed. Right? Rest is different. Rest in the spirit, but. Like, relax. No, not, I'm, I'm going to take a break from my Christianity. Who told you that? Right? There's no break in your Christianity. Because the one second you take a break from your Christianity, there you are. The devil is having a party. Right? He's already throwing a party. You, without you even knowing you're part of it. Right? They're rejoicing because you took a break. Okay, surely we need to, to do that just as much as Jesus did. So you need to memorize scriptures. The temptation Satan brings against us follow a pattern. First, he tempts us to doubt what God has said, right? He, he, did God really say? Did God really say he will bless you? Did God really say that he will increase you? Did God really say that you are his child? Did God really say he loves you? So he wants us to doubt what God says. And then when when we, doubt, we start to doubt God, what God says, based on what the devil, you know, throwing at us, the final thrust of Satan's tactic is to tempt us to direct disobedience. You see, you don't want to pray anymore. You don't want to read the Bible anymore. You don't want to sing anymore. You don't want to even go to the church. So you are now far, going farther and farther from fellowship. That's how the devil tactic, tactics are. right? The devil is a liar. Is the father of all lies, right? So, you have authority to cast him out. Don't need to be a church to cast the devil out. You don't need to call the pastor or the leaders to cast the devil out. You are a believer, you have the authority to cast him out. So, in all of this, Jesus is our perfect example. He did not rely on any of his wisdom or arguments of his own, rather, He used precisely the same weapon God has given us, which is the word of God. So our security depends on following the example of Jesus. Satan is a thousand times wiser and stronger than we are. uh, He can point to a thousand flaws in our own righteousness. But there is one weapon against which he has no defense, which is the word of God spoken in faith. Like the Lord Jesus, when the Holy Spirit quickens a scripture to you and you use it against the enemy, he will eventually depart from you because he has no answer with which to engage you in further combat. You know, one of the tactics now of the enemy is to weary down the Christian. Right? A repeated assault over, over, and over until you give up, until you say, that's it, I can no longer fight but you do not need to fight it in your own strength. Holy Spirit is with you. Amen? And again, we are not fighting for victory. Jesus has done that for us already. So the sword of the Spirit is a supernatural spiritual weapon that renders the devil powerless. So today I want to urge you to open your heart to the leading of the Holy Spirit and to let the Holy Spirit reveal the exact scriptures you need to withstand the devil's attack and deal him deal him with a fatal blow fatal blow use the sword of the spirit make sure the devil is dead with those scriptures in your heart and your mouth God will have have given you a spiritual sword that the devil cannot resist amen church it's time to be using the word of god and I'd like to end with this word hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 For the word of God, for the word of God, that's logos, the logos of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, amen, that means it divides your spirit, the spirit and soul, Soul is, is our emotions, will, and intellect. And anything that is not from the Spirit, anything that is in contrary or opposition to the Word of God, the, word, the Logos will divide it. It will show us, right? Because the Bible is our mirror. It tells us what, to, what, what is right, what is God, and what is not God. So when we see it according to the Word of God, or the devil is attacking us, get a word. Know the word in your situation, if you if you go if you're, if you're, going, if you're um, being challenged with your health, look for healing verses and use that as the sword of the spirit. And it doesn't happen every in one day. You need to repeatedly confess it, believe it in your heart, confess it, believe it in your heart, confess it, believe it in your heart. Keep on speaking it until you see that the manifestation is gone in the spirit. It is. It will. It is totally destroyed. But in the physical, sometimes it takes a while, right? But it takes patience. It takes endurance. It takes uh, long suffering. Those are fruits of the Spirit. God wants us to experience all these things, guys. But you are not alone. You have the Holy Spirit within you. So if you're struggling with sin, if you're struggling or if you're going through, like um, uh, Cheyenne and Jameson has already shared about that, or um, yeah, encourage you, please, the, the, the devil is a liar. Don't believe in his lies. God is faithful. He is true. And in this time of crisis, God's eyes is upon his children. But Jesus said, if he is able to feed or, or clothe the leaders in the valley or feed the birds in the air, how much more a child of God. God can provide. God can provide and not just provide, us for us, but provide everyone that we love. You know, I've been praying, like even with my unsaved loved ones, I pray for them. Because I know that the blessing that I receive is also can be extended to them. And I know also that during this time, this harvest, my family, my loved ones, my, my relatives, my friends that are not yet saved, they shall be saved. But I need to stand my ground. I need to use the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, out of my mouth and keep declaring what God said already. This is not something that God will do. When you declare the Word of God, it's already established. This is not something that's going to happen. He just wants us to stand our ground. Don't give up. Don't give up. If you're going through hell, don't give up. God is for you, and God is never against you. Amen? Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the word, and I just pray, Father, Holy Spirit, to remind everyone what they have just heard today in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you that you are so good to us. You are so gracious, merciful God. Hallelujah. There is not a doubt, oh, Lord God, in my heart, Lord, that you are for your children. You are for us. Because your word says you are never against your people, especially for those, oh, Lord God, that keep on humbling themselves, submitting themselves to God, submitting to your will, to your purpose, no matter how, how, Lord God, how challenging it is in Jesus' name, Lord, but they chose to believe you. They chose to stand on your word. They chose, oh, Lord God, to apply the word of God in our lives, no matter how many people can will persecute them or not believe them, Lord God. We stand on your word, what you said, because you are faithful. And we thank you, Father God. We pray for those that are going through some difficult times, oh, Lord God, during this crisis, during this pandemic. Lord, they they might be not needing money. They might be needing healing. Lord, they may not be needing healing, but they they are needing finances. Right now, Lord God, whatever it is, Lord God, finances for their loved ones, healing for their loved ones, healing for themselves, Lord. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Haramashi hasate, Father, we thank you, Lord. I extend, oh, Lord God, that healing. I extend that increase, that provision over those people, oh, Lord God, that are listening to this voice right now in Jesus' name. Lord God, we cast out every spirit of fear. We cast out every spirit of anxiety and worry in the name of Jesus. And I release, oh, Lord God, provision. I release healing. I release, O oh Lord God, the peace of God that passes all understanding, that guards your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for restoration. Restoration of everything that the enemy has stolen. Restoration from everything that the enemy has destroyed. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, for you are the God of restoration. You he restore health. You restore, O Lord God, sound mind. You restore relationship in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Father God, for all good things come from you. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. And we give you praise, and we give you all the glory in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people say, Amen. And if you want to contact us, or if you have received Jesus Christ through the service, or message, or whatever, through... Maybe during praise and worship, the Holy Spirit touched you and spoke to you. Please let us know. Send us a message, an email. We love to pray for you guys. And for the Harvest Now family, we miss you, church. It's now like second month, yeah? Second month. Praise God. We are alive because our God is alive. He loves you, and we love you, and we pray for you in Jesus' name. So let me give my benediction. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May the God of, by God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you, church. You're anointed. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. God is for you. He's not against you. And happy Father's Day for all the dads. In Harvest Now Church and here in Australia, I know some countries have already celebrated their Father's Day, but nonetheless, happy Father's Day. And God bless you. Amen and amen.